first reading is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 27 to 31, and can be found on page 999 in the Church Bible. The soldiers mock Jesus. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers round them. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The uh, second reading is taken from Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 8, and that is on pages uh, 1,103 through to 1,104 of the Church Bibles. Cornelius calls for Peter. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a name a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose home is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was, with, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you would open our hearts and minds so that we hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a little boy uh, who went into church one day, looked at the war memorials with all the names, uh, and asked the minister, eh, what's all this? What are all the names for? And he said, those are the people who died in the service. Was it the 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock? Eh, you knew the punchline before I said it. Thankfully, no one died after the 9 o'clock service, which I talked about earlier this morning. So I hope it's the same now. Uh, we've just had our act of remembrance. Uh, my question is, is that it? Is that it? Is that remembrance? 
what helps you remember? Uh, some of you are here, and some of you got these things. These are mine. Would be. They help us remember. I've got this little book. This is my grandfather's. Uh, I've got one that I was issued when I joined the Royal Marines, remarkably similar. Tells me he joined the British Army and attested it, took the oath of allegiance to his king, King George V, on the 22nd of February, 1916. He was 17 years and 11 months old. And he joined the 15th Battalion Royal Irish Rifles, did his four months training, and then went over the top alongside his father, my great-grandfather, and his brother James on the 1st of July, 1916, at the bottom of Thiebville Wood, attacking the strongest German point on the line, the Sphabian Redoubt, with 15,000 other Ulstermen. 5,000 of them died that day. And the same is true of most communities in the United Kingdom, from the Shetlands to Land's End, nearly every town and village today will have a wreath led in a church or at a war memorial. Remembrance Day is still something that really does unite the United Kingdom. There's not much that does these days, but Remembrance Sunday actually causes the entire nation just for a little space to reflect. And remembrance, you know, is God-given. It's part of the maker's mark. He puts it into our DNA. But I said, is that it? Is it all about an act of remembrance? You see, in Scripture, when God remembers... It is a mental act of remembrance. We remember things. God remembers things. But in Scripture, the word zakar, Hebrew is translated as something that leads to action. And if remembrance really does mean anything, it has to lead to action. Because that's the real maker's mark. What does it mean? It's a messy day for me. I have lots of emotions. I remember, as many other of you will hear, people that you've known who've been affected by war, who've been killed, who've been injured, who still live with the, the scars I had the great privilege of being at the Field of Remembrance outside Westminster Abbey on Thursday of this week. And some of you may have seen it on television. If you don't know what it is, it's literally lots of plots where people plant little wooden crosses. And there are plots for the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. And at the end of the two days of Remembrance Week, it's absolutely full of these little wooden crosses. They're not just little wooden crosses, they have people's names on them. Real human beings like you 
and like me who have been killed in action. I always feel very humbled because, of course, it's not just British names. You know, Homnath and Sharad, I see 120,000 Gurkha soldiers served in the British Army in World War II. Over half a million Indian soldiers, and by Indian in those days, I mean Pakistani, Sri Lankan, Bangladeshi, as well as what is now the country of India. Over 100,000 African soldiers. And in that field of remembrance at Westminster Abbey, there are plots for those soldiers as well. Many of them of different faiths, but they're actually marked with a cross. And the amazing thing is that even today, over 50 years after the end of World War II, people still plant crosses with people's real names in those plots. They remember. One of the saddest things is, I always look at the Royal Marines plot because I was a Royal Marine. Last year and this year, I actually bumped into the same lady. And as we were sort of looking, I was in front of her. She said, excuse me. And I said, of course, please stand in front of me. And she said to me, oh, are you from Northern Ireland? And I said, yes. And she smiled and she saw my tie, which is a Marine tie. She knew that was a Marine tie. She was a lady in her 70s. And she told me how she came every year uh, to put a little wooden cross for her dad. Uh, she, he had married a girl from Plymouth. He was from a wee place called Ballyclare in Northern Ireland. She was three years old. He was 23 when he was killed in action in 1944 in Holland with 48 Royal Marines Commando. And she told me in the last five years how she'd actually met another family who came to plant a little wooden cross with their son's name in the Royal Marines portion of the Afghanistan plot. Uh, nothing really changes. You know, one of the sad things about Remembrance Sunday is there will always be another time. That's part of living in a broken, fractured world. And that's one of the things I think about the actions of Remembrance Day. As a nation and as individuals, we need to seek God's forgiveness. Yeah, we should respect the sacrificed and costliness that people have made in war. But for our country, and sometimes, forgive me, it sounds political, whatever political party, sometimes I forget or I think our leaders forget what the cost of war is. More than ever, we see conflict portrayed on our television screens. Uh, we see the horror of places like Aleppo in Syria. Uh, and that's real. Believe me, believe me, it's one thing to see it on the television. It's a different thing to experience it for real. And sometimes, I remember when I was young seeing politicians with medals who had lived through it. Not many of our politicians actually have experienced it now. And we need to pray for God's wisdom for the decisions that they make that send our armed forces 
to war. You know, today we still have people in the Royal Air Force flying combat missions over Iraq and Syria. We have British, we call them training teams, in Afghanistan, in northern Iraq, in Somalia, and in northern Nigeria. So we're all sitting here today. We'll go home to our Sunday lunches, cups of tea, having had our act of remembrance, and there are still British men and women involved in armed conflict. Whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, on our behalf. And we need to pray for real wisdom for our leaders. Sometimes it's too easy to use force, forgetting the cost that it means for real human beings. Remembrance is about repentance. I have a little book, the 175 countries we've invaded and the few we haven't. In our country's history, the United Kingdom, of the 192 countries that are members of the United Nations, we have fought wars against 175 of them. 190% of the countries in the world we have been at war with. That's not a statistic to be proud about. Sometimes it has been necessary, and we should be thankful for the times when our country has stood up for justice and righteousness and paid a sacrificial cost. But we should also be sorry for the times that we haven't. Remembrance Sunday is about forgiveness. And we should be prepared to reach out and forgive. I always remember a man called Gordon Wilson, some of you may know that name, who on another Remembrance Sunday about 20 years ago in a little northern Irish town called Inniskillen was at a Remembrance Day service when the IRA exploded a bomb at the Cenotaph and his daughter, who was a nurse, died in his arms. And he talked on the television on the same day to ask for forgiveness for the people who did it. He wanted to talk to them, to ask them why they did it. Did it really bring about the political aims that they wanted? But he also wanted to tell them that there was forgiveness through the Lord Jesus Christ because he was a Christian. And he really believed that. That's hard. I don't know if I could have done that or could do it. But that's forgiveness. And he could forgive because he knew the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And that allowed him to forgive. Repentance, forgiveness, thankfulness should be part of remembrance. I've already talked about a cost and a sacrifice. And we should be thankful to the men and women and families who have sacrificed. I've told you about two of them. Another one I met two years ago when I was going on holiday, going to collect a little camper van, went into an office to get it, and the lady eh, was talking to her and she had a picture of a young man in marine dress blues, and I said, oh, your son's a marine, yeah. I said, I was too, and I said, eh, which commando was he in? And she said, he was dead. 
She didn't have a lump in her throat. She looked at the photograph. He was killed on his fifth tour of duty in Afghanistan. He was 26. Uh, to put that in understandable language, that means a young man of the age of 26, five tours, he'd spent two and a half years in hard fighting. He was killed by an Afghanistan policeman. His mum didn't have any bitterness. I had the lump in my throat, not her. Uh, she was proud of her son. He was doing the job he wanted to do. That sounds strange, probably. Why does a young man want to go and join an organization that goes and fights people and bottom line might even have to kill them? Uh, I'm not sure there's an answer to that. Uh, but she was proud of her son doing the job he wanted. And he was trying to help the people of Afghanistan do a better future. And there's lots of guys and girls like that, and that's why we can be here today. And we should be thankful, thankful. And, you know, the Lord Jesus said, eh, greater love hath no man than this, that they lay down their lives for their friends. Jesus went a step further, of course, because while we were still sinners, he died for us. And he is the greatest example the greatest example of sacrifice, and we should never forget that, ever. Remembrance, and I'll start as I finished, is about people, real men and women of all ages, sadly, most of them young. If you ever go to the Somme, to the British Memorial, the biggest in the world for British troops at Thiebval. It's an arch, 70,000 names for one battle in one war without a known grave. 70,000 sons, dads, brothers, husbands, gone. War is always, always a waste. It is not God's plan. But somehow in the messy, messiness of it, just as the Lord Jesus came to redeem us, he can redeem war. And he can sometimes bring good things out of the hell that war is, just as the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. God redeems. We should remember that and give thanks for it. And with redemption comes hope. And scripture points to the day when, of course, wars will cease. And that is the hope. That is the hope. It says in the Old Testament, it's repeated twice, once in the book of Isaiah, once in the book of the prophet Micah. It says, he will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into bruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation nor will they train for war 
anymore. And it will be done. There is hope. There is hope for soldiers, sailors, airmen and marines. Those two readings, I talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. They were soldiers who tortured and crucified Jesus Christ. It was a soldier in the same army, Cornelius, who is the first recorded non-Jewish Christian in the Bible. There's hope. There's hope. And we should thank God for it. So remembrance isn't just an act out there. It's an everyday living experience of the gospel. The gospel of repentance, forgiveness, thankfulness, and hope. All because of Jesus Christ. Let's not forget that today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for those who have sacrificed so that we can meet here this morning. Father, help us not to dishonor that sacrifice, but to build on it and to point people to Jesus Christ, the only true hope for our nation and the world. In his name, amen.